Hello and welcome to episode number 150. Oh my god, 150 of the Nerd Pro Go podcast. This is finally, finally our Stranger Things season two review. A whole bunch of people on this podcast, uh, so you're going to notice some uh, dips and valleys in the audio because you know uh, I only have so many mics and there was more people than there were mics. So I had to balance out some of the audio, so there's going to be some dips and valleys there, but overall, a really good podcast. Coming up, uh, definitely Punisher Season 1, we're going to be doing, uh, what else? Very likely a more extended Star Trek Discovery review, some other random TV shows, Justice League, of course. If you have not, if you did not watch uh, Season 2 of Stand Against Evil on IFC, what are you doing? Because there is a possibility later this year, well, not this year, uh, most more likely next year that uh, some of the people involved in that show will possibly be on this show to discuss that show. Uh, so you should be watching that. You should be watching uh, Stand Against Evil. Uh, the older episodes, especially all of season one, are available on IFC.com and also on Hulu. We will also be discussing Runaways at some point, uh, Runaways on Hulu in a little bit. Uh, most of the guests are going to be either going to be later in December and also into January. It was just there was a lot of reviews we had to get through, so the guests had to, uh, and because of people's scheduling, had to be pushed a little bit forward. I think that's it. I mean, they are not... We are not being paid or anything to promote Stand Against Evil. I just really like the show. If you are at all semi-nerdy or into horror, you should also check out Stand Against Evil. There is a bunch of other stuff happening. But in the meantime, the regular plugs, as usual, apply. Some more stuff is going to be going. We are still live tweeting. I am still live tweeting occasionally at someone else, but 95% of the time. It is me live tweeting the gifted until the season finality. Finale, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. Let's see, Arrow for the time being, although we are going to go into a little bit of an Arrow review. There's going to be some stuff going up on the website and probably a video at some point going on, uh, going over all the CW sort of DC shows. So yeah, all of that coming up in the next month or so there might be a slight delay slash hiatus going into next week or the following week's podcast been trying to get get them up once a month but that has not always been possible still working out some kinks here in the new lineup the new setup and all of that the new job uh which i will get into at some point some solo episodes also creeping in there anime nostalgia will be back some preview of some of the shows we're gonna be doing we're gonna be doing uh the rest of naruto a little bit of naruto shippuden a little bit more of runa kenshin some basilisk thrown in there for good measure and most likely a one punch man thing very likely even though uh i am not personally going to anime usa there will probably be a anime usa podcast going up at some point in the future as well so keep tuned to all of those things the i keep saying give giveaways are going to be going out uh there are going to be some more giveaways keep an eye on Twitter at Nerdproquo on Twitter. Uh, mostly right now, 
all of the promotions and everything are going to be uh, at on the Twitter. So at NerdProco on Twitter. And as always, if you like this episode, uh, leave comments, leave a review in iTunes. Send us a message at NerdProco at gmail.com. All of that good stuff. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. In the meantime, episode number 150 of the NerdProco podcast, our Strangers Things Season 2 review. Finally! Yep. Oh, wow, it's a less than two minutes of the screen. We're recording, but it doesn't matter. Cut this out. Okay. Sound good? Yeah. Okay. That's gonna be where you are. you are. Sorry. I keep. You get the bitch seat. Yeah, it makes it easier if there's no stand. Oh, wait, I can keep the sound a little bit. Cut that out, please. What? No. Why? It sounds like the demigorgon. She's using her tits ass up. My kid is not on the way up here. I mean, it's like part of If you believe that a woman's tit is up here, remind me to apologize to your girlfriend the next time I see her. By the way, that's where I'm gonna start. They're, they're right, right there. Everything before this point, yeah, I'm gonna start it right there. Is, is where I'm just, I'm just testing. For the up. record, Eve is a teacher and has no concept of anatomy, as he thinks my shoulder is my breast. My bust is not next to my ear. I don't have Charlie's boobs. I have my boobs. Okay, first of all, you're using. From here to here, so technically a portion of your boob is. Being I love recorded. how he put the tablet there so that <laughs> he can to touch my fair, boob without touching my boob. And to be fair, it's resting properly. <laughs> Telling your girlfriend. Uh, this podcast went in a whole other direction. Jamie, in 2018, please consider video. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's it's there are things this, that I, this scene right here. The laziest motherfuckers I've ever seen. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so for those, because for, this is audio, two of the people have blankets. At least one of them has a pillow. We could not be any more possibly, like, relaxed. relaxed yes. But we're, we're, we, are, we are here to discuss Stranger Things. Um, I feel like I have to get, like, closer to Eve because we're going to have to, like... Get closer. Oh, this guys. is getting it's really right. sexual up in here. And, and, well, you know, this is how it usually is. As, when, as if you need an excuse to send the luck to him. You know. Oh, wait, you're calling me. Thank you. So where do we even want to want to start with this? I mean, I have some... I have uh, I think we should start with sharing our thoughts on season one. And go from there. Okay, this is interesting because uh, I loved season one, but I was listening to another uh, podcast and of people who did not like season one, and when they explained why they didn't like season one, I, I, I still love season one, but I was just like, I see what you're saying. They actually like season two more. I loved season one. I love season one too, but they said that uh, season two feels more like the individual episodes are all their own thing. 
whereas season one feels like it could have been shorter could have been i don't necessarily agree with this but it's that it could have been a movie but see i think the problem with that is that season two having each episode kind of stand as its own little story within the story makes sense because you had season one to build it to that point Right, right. You know, right. season one set the tone to be able to delve a little deeper into the individual characters like Dustin and Steve and yeah, right. stuff like that, that you wouldn't have really, well, maybe you could have done it in season one, but I don't think you would have appreciated it without the overall banter and relationship and story development. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, I do kind of, I can see how you could, if you were like a fan of like horror movies from the 80s you could see how oh you could have had maybe season one be because their opinion was you season one could have been a two-hour movie and then season two i mean it could have been because it was left in, in such a way that the story had an ending even though it was clearly left open-ended for to continue into season two it could have stood on its own but yeah. i'm glad it didn't i mean no I, <laughs> I, I i agree i loved season one and season one could have ended and then season two came and i was just like oh, okay great you know so yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, I, season Stranger Things in general when it started last year, it was the marketing for it was pretty minimal. It was very mysterious. So it just it was suddenly tossed in there in in the middle of summer, and people just picked it up. I I know I picked it up, and I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't really know what to expect, and just watching it through, it just became I was hooked pretty much instantly and it had a nice flow to it it it, it flowed like it flowed like a season one or two season one oh. season one uh and it had a nice continuous flow to it the characters were you know were very compelling uh i just you know i love the kids i loved 11 uh and just the, just the the overall threat throughout about the the mystery of hawkins and the uh, the 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 other side and the underworld and all that so i loved season one and was extremely ecstatic over the fact that season two was superb now i love it despite a couple episodes that I could have done without. Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. The Chicago episodes. Oh, um, with the with yeah, eight. That's just yep. agreed. Weird. Agreed. Um, yeah. And I get it. They're trying to pay homage and forcibly inject warriors, you know, right. uh, theme to the show. And yeah, I love a lot of the themes, Ghostbusters in it. Mm -hmm. But I've just what I loved about it is just like how much they force a lot of you know film franchises like x-men first class you mm -hmm. know the you know harnessing your anger it's like fucking you mm -hmm. know professor x you know teaching um magneto to harness and expand his power and pretty much dragon ball z i mean yeah. the whole point of her going to chicago was to increase her power levels yeah and yeah. i'm like this is weird and then finally uh the phoenix force doing her mm -hmm. badass thing so then transitioning from season one does season two successfully recapture that magic i think so yeah i mean i have a i, I forget who it was who made this uh comparison but i actually think it's really really well number one season one i mean it took a while to get picked up but there's there are things in media that are like we were talking about this when we were talking about like pacific rim that they're dead or just like 
scientifically manufactured, not ma- manufacturers kind of sounds like negative, but like are structured in such a way that it's so specifically targeted to a certain de- demographic that as soon, like as soon as we started watching that, we were just like, oh, the kids who play D and D. It's just like just seeing yourself. Like Dustin is definitely that was me in middle school. <laughs> I was such a. Uh, I I want to say I was, but I still am pretty much yeah, like that yeah. kid, just totally hopeless. Um, but someone also made a really what I thought was a really apt uh, comparison, and it's funny because Paul Reiser is in season two. Is that season one is Alien? And season two is Aliens. Right. Yeah. Uh, where it's just like you just uh, – and people were like, well, season two wasn't really horror, really. I was like, yeah, because season two is Aliens. Season two mm-hmm. is, is everyone – is I mean, it's everyone are the commandos now. Yeah. yeah. I, I, in season two, I, I think for the first couple of episodes, it actually had a slow start. Like I, I knew – I remember being – in episode three or four and you know with dustin finding the tadpole demo dog demigorgon baby demigorgon and and i'm I'm, i was wondering like where are we going with all this like how what what's uh, i don't well here's the what the main the main Right, I saw that, but still, I was kept wondering where is this? Oh, what's the thesis of this season? I felt like it was a slow burn start. There, did anybody get that? I mean, I took some really choice naps. I took really choice naps when we were watching the second season. I mean, I thought that it started out a little slower, but it, I didn't really feel like I was like. Like, I didn't feel like it was dragging, per se. You know, I felt like they were kind of easing you back in and just kind of like, you know, giving you those little signs that, you know, we made it pretty clear at the end of season one that this story might look like it's quote unquote over, but it's not really over. And now we're going to give you these like little reminders to kind of just like, you know, tease our way back in. But I didn't it like to me, it didn't like drag. It felt right. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily want to come in full steam ahead. I want them to kind of like build the momentum. I want the train to have to start, you know, chugging a little harder and, you know, the smoke to blow a little harder and to go on. You know what I mean? I felt that the performances by specifically the actor who played Will kind of like got me going. Absolutely. I, I mean, yeah. it was slow because you got to build up. The, the tension. You gotta introduce new characters that are now entering season two. Uh, but specifically, this is our first introduction to Will. For season one, he was non existent. It's pretty much a role reversal. It was a search season for Will. one was all L, and then Will was a background character. Yeah. And season two, Will is now at the forefront, and Will and L became the background character. And I was extremely impressed by just his transformation from being odd zombie boy to being full blown, you know, possessed, you know, demon hybrid. Yeah, definitely. Um, and just his like his performance was just amazing, it was. which is what got me going. It's like. Where's he going? Right. How is he getting manipulated by the larger being or whatever? Um, I didn't think, I thought the slow pace was a necessity to build up what we had the last few episodes. Sure. sure. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I definitely, I mean, for the record, I just want to say that I think all those kid actors on that show 
are fabulous. Yeah. You know, and I don't say fabulous for child actors. I say fabulous actors in general. I think they're all supremely talented. I hope to see lots from them as they grow up and become adults. Mm-hmm. And I definitely have to say, I think, you know, Will was great. Will was obviously, you know, the focus of the season, and rightfully so, because that kid is a really, really good actor, and he killed it. I thought he killed it. Definitely. So, I, I, three people... Three actors. I mean, they're all great, but the three act people who I think really stood out to me in this season were Will, because you see a lot more of him. Uh, he does so much. Yeah. Uh, Jane, Eleven. Every dude. The episode where she, uh, where Hopper's gone and she goes looking for her mom. Oh my god! Not, not when she actually physically goes looking for her mom. When she goes looking for her mom. Like in that dark place. In that dark place, just broke me. And uh, Hopper, the guy who plays Hopper, uh, is just like I such, such a like. Love I love him. <laughs> I could dedicate an entire podcast just to how much I stand Chief Hopper. Have you and David <laughs> and David Harbor for the record? Have you have you seen the fact that he's been getting all jacked now? Cause no, because he, he's gonna play Hellboy. Yeah. No, I didn't even hear about now. that. Yeah, yeah, you can look up the pictures Pan- now. He's Pants been has all to jacked. leave now. She's got to go on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I have other things right to do. <laughs> no, I love him. I think he, I loved him even from season one. I he's love like, him in season one too. He, but there's just he is my a, spirit animal. Just him, like the 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 trying to be a dad. And oh my not, god, not the really. scene. The scene when he's I mean, in... Has been, he was a dad, but, you know... The scene when he is in the truck... Hold the phone for a minute. Okay. I'm going to interrupt myself to say that Eve just handed me a picture of David Harbour with his Hellboy abs. But you know what? I like chubby David Harbour. Thank you very much. Yes, I do. Dancing. You, the dancing moon. The dancing meme. That oh, hell yes. Everywhere. But, oh my God. But I have to, I have to say that scene when he, after he unintentionally broke his promise to Eleven and he was trying to leave her that apology message and he was in the truck and he was like super emotional. I was just like, <laughs> yeah. dad, Jim Hopper gives me all the feels, man. Yeah. They could, they could easily make a, 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 a spin-off show just with Hopper and Eleven. I would, I would, I would watch the happy. shit out of that. I would watch that. an entire series that was just them in that cabin. Uh-huh. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. I would. Give me like a 24-episode <laughs> season. I am so, so here for it. So a newbie question, because I think some of the reaction that I witnessed, you, I, so I watched it with Jamie and Rich, and so watching them watch it, I almost felt like this season had more emotion and heart to it in a way like you guys were responding to it very seriously and very emotionally um i'm one of the people who tried desperately to watch the first season and i just could not care i could not work up a care that's what i mean about like stuff that's scientifically designed and if it's if we've run into this actually with charlie before i don't mean to like say that that sounded really bad uh, but it, like <laughs> the, all the frames of reference that would make you love this show, yeah, she didn't watch any of those in the eighties. So. <laughs> no, I get that. You know, I mean, Charlie's me, a like, time traveler. A lot of what people love about the show is like you know, like that horror feel, like That's those eighties, like campy sir. kind of horror movies. <laughs> for me, horror movies never really have done anything for me. So for me, it was 
I love the 80s. I love period pieces in general. So any type of show that takes place in a very specific period of time, I'm automatically a little more inclined to like it. Like, for example, I was obsessed with Mad Men. And that, you know. I do really love that. Plus, I just genuinely love the 80s. I think you guys would know this in particular. I, I'm very, you know, into the 80s music and very nostalgic about it. Eve knows. He's my, he's my boy when it comes to that. So for me, it was purely about just the nostalgia factor. I didn't really care about the horror or the, or the theme or this or that. But I did love the nostalgia and I love all those little throwbacks. I love the fact that the very first season opened with them playing D&D. Like, I'm not even that nerdy, but let me tell you something. Me and my friends growing up, we had campaigns. We played D&D. We would sit in my friend's garage for hours playing D&D. I was the only girl in our entire group of friends who played it and played it regularly. So even that, like, that kind of stuff really got me hyped. You know what I mean? And, like, just, like, the little things, like, the little nods and the music and the fact that they played, like, Toto's the Africa. Music. <laughs> oh, the, music. the music. Can I just say, even though I disagree with the order they played them, I, uh, which I've said before, <laughs> and then someone pointed out they were like they were like no, there's a reason why uh, I'll be watching you by st- uh, by the was it police the yes. police the police played at the end is because it's like an inside joke. He will and all their stalkers, so that's why that sh- that's well mm-hmm. they're also being watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. by they're the, also being the watched, shadow yes. monster. Which wouldn't you explain that? But my thing was, you play uh, "Love Is a Battlefield." I was just like, "You really, you're gonna cut that off? I need to hear that whole song." Mm-hmm. And number two, yeah, me too. As soon as they played "Time After Time," oh I my god! I mean, granted, it was like two or three in the morning when I finished watching it. After you guys had left, I just kept watching it until like three a.m. I literally they played they started to play "Time After Time" by Cyndi Lauper, and I just I lay down on the floor. I was just like, I was just like, I was just like, uh, uh, But it does, I mean, that you know, song, like, just on its own, is just but, like, but I, I mean, th- I love Cindy Lauper, like, but I she's, think, she's still fan-fucking-tastic. Yes. I, th- I think that's, like, w- what I was sort of picking up on. Like, listen, season one did nothing for me. And, and season two, I mean, admittedly, I only saw, like, a sliver of it. But it hooked me in a bit more because I felt like there was something, there there was some there was something that you could grab onto, and the way that I was watching the two of you react to it, I was like, oh, this can't just be the story. There's got to be like some emotional element that's like hooking you in, and I and I don't know if and and even when I'm reading like the way that other people are reacting to it, it feels like. Like, you know, Steve went from being, you know, the greatest jerk of all to being the greatest hero of all. And I I'm never like, hated Steve. I'm going to just interject I, that I right know, there. John Ralphia was Steve, misunderstood. He was the stock in the first season to give you... He like, was the 80s movie douche. He was Andrew McCarthy. Mm. He yes. was Andrew McCarthy. In, except in, more charming, in my opinion. Except, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but in this, he, I actually, like, I didn't dislike him in the first season, but he's... He's but the, see, the only thing that... that character. There is a new character who's that character in this season. Ugh. Well, to another degree. See, the only thing that... I, I loved his arc in this season. Yeah, agreed. But the only thing that I hate about the way that a lot of people frame Steve is they're acting like season one, he was classic douche, and season two is the redemption arc. But... In my opinion, he was like only like baby brief little douchiness yeah. in the se- first season. I feel like, you know, he straightened up pretty quick. Like, yeah, I mean, he had a couple of road bumps in the first season, you know, when he kind of fell back on his ways and, 
you know, and did the whole thing with uh, calling Nancy a slut and painting that thing on the movie marquee or whatever. But even, like, right after he did it, you know, he realized, oh, like, that was pretty shitty and, like, went to fix it right away, you know? And I think... Andrew McCarthy. Yeah, and I think... Andrew McCarthy is douchey, but it's not that... Yeah. It's not that But I think that even by the end of season one, I felt like Steve was left off on a good note where it's like, okay, you know, so he's kind of like the popular guy who... You know, but he genuinely is a good guy, and I think that that was pretty clear. So I didn't really see season two as a redemption arc because I I think Steve is fucking awesome. Yeah, it just further shows that that (laughs) none of the characters are two dimensional. There there are layers to each of the characters, and we're just getting to know them a little bit better with each season. And to follow on pants mm, pants um, comment on just the overall eighties nostalgia aspect of it all what i love about this show in general is that it doesn't over rely on the references and the the music and all all the the 80s tropes that they throw in like some other like other movies and other shows do already but this show genuinely feels like it could have happened in the 80s. Well, see, you know uh, what? I think that this is part of what they do well with the show in general, though. Like, it's got the kind of vibe where you feel like you could take the scenarios of the show and kind of make it any time. But I think that it's good because, like, the show can appeal to younger audiences. But I think that it's nice that they kind of have it in this time period with the nostalgia for people who are, like, our age, who, like, really kind of were growing up when a lot of these things were popular, the music and, you know, the movies and a lot of the things that they reference. And I think that that's why you get emotionally invested in it, is the nostalgia factor, you know? It is watching the kids riding their bikes. Like, I remember riding my bike around my neighborhood all the time, you know? Like, nowadays, you barely even see kids playing outside, but when I was a kid, and I'm not talking about riding up and down my block, like, I would be, like, eight or nine years old, clear on the other end of my neighborhood with my friends, you know? Ringing doorbells to see if kids were home and, like, you know, being out late at night and, like, it wasn't a big deal and, like, all these things. And I think that that, like, touches that part of you that is nostalgic and, you know, and it kind of draws on those emotions and connects you to that. And I think that they, you know, are smart the way they do that because, like, I think that to a degree they rely on it, but, like, not in a lazy way. Like, I Correct. think that they use it yeah. in, a, in an emotive type of way to reach people like us in this demographic, but they still make a show that I think appeals to, like, younger audiences as well because I'm sure, listen, yeah. I'm sure there's plenty of, like, teenagers and 20-year-olds right now who are probably obsessed with Stranger Things. Everybody's I, I know, obsessed I with it. I in their 20s who really liked it. Uh, I will say that someone, a couple of people have said, and I actually agree with them, when Rich said that it's it's like the 80s actually was, it's it, it isn't because that might not have worked. It is the 80s kind of as we remember it, like as yeah. media. It, it's still like like a like a hyper version of the 80s. It's like the 80s as we remember it through the media of the 80s. Like it's not really the way the 80s was. Well, it's like it's, 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 like, it's, it's, it's I mean, I think it's a, It's I'm, presented with a with a lens with a very Spielbergian slash Stephen King lens. Uh, throughout, which was all finalized by the casting of Sean Aston. I did not know Sean Aston wow. was in the season, and then <sighs> I was like, when I saw him, I was like, oh my gosh, I get Goonies vibes, you know, yeah. Yeah. all yeah. over. Is it a math to a treasure? <laughs> 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 uh, 
montage. I mean, <laughs> the casting was just amazing, especially the new people uh, coming through. And I spent the entire season two just wanting to hate him. I really want it. It's Wait, like you're who? gonna cock block, you know, Hopper. I want Hopper or turn out and to Hot be something like Yeah, I, it's like this can't be good, you know. Yes, they're trying to tug at my feelings, and then damn it, towards the end, I ended up rooting for him. <laughs> that was it's a like, brilliant move, not making him like evil. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I was expecting it. it's like something's gotta give. It's like he's too nice, and then I almost cried. I almost cried. Yeah, that, that moment. I have to say, I do want to know what those brothers have against people with names that have bees. I mean, <laughs> Benny, Barb, Bob. She got justice, but I mean, man, they still did her dirty in the first right, season. Right, I'm, the only thing I'm hoping is that this. they continue the trend and they just fucking off Billy in season three because he is a waste of life. Yeah. Uh, well, here's well, the thing. I, you expected him because he is... I mean, listen, listen, you know what? Honestly, when they had that moment with him in that weird scene with the with the with the dad, I was kind of like a little hopeful that because you, you obviously saw that there's like something underlying that whole situation. And I was kind of hoping that we would see a little more out of that. And maybe we will in season three and maybe I will feel a little better about him then. But well, I have I have. Let's talk about the three new characters, and we can start with Billy. Okay. Because Billy, number one, is such a, even more a stock 80s dick villain. Mm-hmm. Yes. The fact that he has a mullet. Oh, I know, please. Open, and the open shirt and no, the no, jeans no. jacket. Sorry, no, he does not have a mullet. He doesn't have a mullet. He has a clip and curl tacked to the back of his head. They, I looked at this, like, from the first moment it was put on screen i was so mad at everything that was happening with his face with his hair with his everything this is why, where charlie wakes up and starts watching he, why is he playing basketball in a public school shirtless getting all aggro when he's got <laughs> nothing to be aggro about he they zoom in on him he has like eyeliner and individual lashes. I don't understand it. They they went to they went they went to, they went to Walgreens. They it got looks they like got every they, other character in the movie The Lost Boys. They went to, they went to Walgreens and got like a ponytail bump it and just glued it to the back of his head. <laughs> they said, you know what, dude. Go out there. And when he couldn't like grow facial hair, they said, let's just take some eyeliner and just dot in the stubble. And then he, everything he does, he's so overly extra. He's so ridiculous. He was hideous to look at in acting and facial expression and everything. I hope all the bad things in life happen to him and only him. I really didn't like him. What, what I, okay, I'll say, I'll say something good. Um, well, There's what I good no, I I did I did I was intrigued and I liked the the tension between Billy and Max. Uh, yeah, the, the, I that, love Max, by the way. Uh, yes, agreed. Yeah, that, I do that, love Max. The, that tension between them. I wanted to look, find out more what what the what the what underlying story, uh, and I'm sure we'll learn later on, but. The there's that I think that was well delivered for, throughout the season. 
I, I like Max from the start. Uh, that, that that whole introduction of Mac, Mac, uh, Mad Max with the in the arcade and everything that was very cool. So I mean, with Give Billy it a Ginger Gamer, come on. <laughs> oh yeah, and that trend, the transition between. Fr- I saw what would have like when I was that age. I would have had a crush on her when I was that age. No, like, you would have. Of course, you would have. Yeah. Uh, the. Eleven being jealous was to me a little silly because Eleven's Eleven. It's kind of adorable, but at the same time, Eleven is badass, man. But like, she's still she's, a child. She's badass, but still, she's still an eleven-year-old. You know, still. And Mike was the only crush that she's ever experienced. So of course, she's gonna be turned. Yeah, I, a little bit. Yeah, I guess. No, so. see, I, I mean, I understood that. I was just glad that like. It happened, but it will, you know, I, and I don't think it's going to be like a lingering thing. Like, I, don't, I really don't think that that's going to play into season three. If that happened, I would think that that was stupid. Like, if they tried to pit it as some, like, girl versus girl weird tension thing, yeah, I would stupid. think that that would be super lame. But I have a little more faith that I really don't think they would take that route. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, in the context of, like, how it was set up to happen, I, would, I thought that it made sense. Uh, also, I... <laughs> Charlie had to point this out because I was like, why, do, why does the reporter look so familiar? It's Brett Gelman. Dude, yeah. casting comics as like just people, like as just like a weird side character, he was priceless. Like mm-hmm. yeah. just the whole time that they're like going to visit him and he's just like, what's going on? Would you guys just <laughs> like do on. it already? <laughs> yeah. right. but, that, but that I think to Rich's point earlier that like when he was talking about like there was just a slow start to it. They're, they're f- my issue, I think, in, in particular with Netflix shows is, is I feel like there's just there's minutes that could be cut out. There's episodes that don't have to be there. Like his whole like. Could he not have gotten to the facts faster? <laughs> I mean, you know, like and then and then why is creep creep alert? Because why is this stranger Soups invested in teenagers boning in his house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but then he, yeah, but then he delivered the probably the most winning line in the entire season, which was like, "How was the pullout?" <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know, and I was like, "You are a tax-paying adult. You know exactly what you said when you said that." That that line though, that, that was pretty great. That was, Just that was right gross. up there with what's wrong with Winston. For me, <laughs> that whole conversation was just the yeah, what's wrong was, with Winston yeah. conversation. Yeah. It was just like uh, we all know. Like he said, he's not even a do. scientist. <laughs> we uh, all know. Poor Ernie Hudson in in Ghostbusters. But, my, you know, what are you gonna do? Backtracking a bit in my, I just remember my my other little issue with season two was because I because I love Eleven and I I enjoy every single scene she's in and her just just you know bringing out the powers and all that and the way season one ended with her being stuck uh in the other side it just led i think most people to believe that she'd be stuck there a while and having a difficult time trying to get out and then when season two starts suddenly it just like she suddenly finds a hole in the wall in a flashback mind you and she's out and about and it just it was it really felt like there was no effort involved uh considering that she's in this supposedly in this in this 
you know, dark world where Will was stuck for an entire season. So I thought, I don't know. Well, I think I was going to ask you guys if y'all are going to talk about her bottle episode, because I think what really happened is the actress who plays Eleven became such a breakout star that they were like, we just got to get her back into the action as quickly as we can. And we got to give her her own episode. And we got like, she became the thing. Okay, agreed. Absolutely. But then she's also separated from the rest of the friends where they have this awesome dynamic. It just like that's that's my little my 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 few grievances with season two, which overall was excellent. But, you know, those she eleven, I felt like she they kind of kept her to the side until her moment arrived at the end of the season. It was a necessary thing, because if you paid attention to season one. The group dynamic was monopolized by her and Mike, which prevented the other characters from being I guess. established. I guess. Season two allowed Lucas and Dustin to, to spread their wings because Elle wasn't the focal point. She's not being the badass. She's not doing wizardry things. So it was necessary to like establish the other side characters to right. give them their time to shine. Because yeah. if it was all 11 all the time throughout season yeah. two, we won't be able to see Dustin and, and Lucas and grow as characters. And she's a star, honey, okay? She gets, she gets her time, okay? Excuse you. Yeah. And how did you like season two considering you're such a fan of Elle? I mean, considering her screen time was not as, you know involved because uh, some people didn't like season two from what i've read because l was not as prominent what did you think about i know i loved season two overall i thought it was it was a solid season it it was a good successor to season one uh i would have preferred to see more of eleven's interaction with the rest of the kids but at the same time, we got to see much greater development between Eleven and, and Hopper. And that was kind of awesome as so well. So they kind of established at the end of season one that there's a lot of kind of holes to like the upside down. And that's kind of, I mean, it is kind of, it's a little bit of a deus machina to get her into the season quicker. But they did kind of establish, like at the end of season one or at the beginning of this season, that there's just a lot of that that Ways is kind of spilling like, out into the town. Do you think they needed to set Hopper up as a parent figure so it makes it more acceptable for him to be with Joyce? No, no, because 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 now he can be a parent figure to her kid. Well, no, he was a dad, and in, in, he just lost his daughter. You know? Oh. Yeah, yeah, he had a daughter. She Sarah. was sick. So and there's been a lot. season one was important. Gotcha. <laughs> well, see, and, and see, and that actually touches on something interesting, because there's been a lot of speculation, because we know that his daughter was sick. They show in season one, she, the daughter's not in season one, they show flashbacks of him with her. Okay. And she was sick, and she had no hair, and she was in a hospital. Um but that's actually also kind of sparked a lot of questions because it's never really clear what was wrong with her. So, like, it implies, like, if you look at her, she's a sickly child in a hospital with no hair. So it implies that maybe she had cancer or something, which would be a logical conclusion given what just the visual that you're shown. But it's never explicitly stated what is wrong with her. And there's actually been a lot of theories. Well, what if she had some sort of involvement in the Hawkins lab? And not in a hospital because it's she, still a medical so she setting. She could have been one through seven. 
Maybe, or, or you know, or, or maybe even if she's not one of those kids, maybe there's some some other tie-in because you know a lot of these other little separate things still kind of tie into other stuff. So you know, do, plus. So, so if that's true, do we know that he's good? Hopper, I think he's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I uh, so let's let's Why? talk about that that. Uh, we do because if you watch, if you really watch both seasons, he's. His actions are very motivated by helping these people, mm-hmm. you know, by helping Joyce, by helping the kids, by helping Eleven. Um, you know, he's very, when it comes to the people in the lab, he's very oppositional to them. He, you know, he, he makes some decisions and takes some steps that people might see as questionable because I think it's more like, you know, for the greater good. Like, he does make some, like, well, the agreement that he makes with them. Yeah. You know, he may, he does make an agreement with them at one point that theoretically could paint him as being some sort of, like, a traitor in a way. But at the same time, you know, it, I think it was kind of like a quick fix. It was something that he was doing to kind of, like, take the heat off and just kind of level things out. And Also, they can't make him bad now because... He's not no, bad. Yeah, he's yeah, not. He's he's not. He's Hopper a, is life. Revolt. Hopper is life. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's talk about a little bit. Let's talk about that the episode that basically not everyone hated, but everyone thought was kind of a waste. The, yeah. the episode with what's her face in it. The, the, the episode that, that had uh, eight and eight. had. Well, he, I mean, they were doing the Warriors. They were doing. You know, it was very X Men first. It was very X Men. Star just Wars in general. Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, and Star, Star Wars. Star Wars because in the original trilogy. Uh, you know, Luke. Luke has to harness the Force. I got, I got a lot of Star Wars vibes yeah, out of it. In in stand first class, yeah. But your anger or yeah. some shit like that. But considering that this is an '80s themed show, I was, I was thinking more in line of Star Wars. Star but yeah, Wars both apply. You find any reason for Star Wars to be in the room, won't you? Yes. <laughs> but I mean it doesn't even have to be X-Men first class it's basically just X-Men like He's that like, that whole episode is is X-Men and then the fact that at the end she goes all like fucking Phoenix it's like it's like okay yeah you read X-Men in the 80s that's what this whole thing is about right well, now well the whole, the whole season started making a point that there's this new character 8 and she's got this ragtag Band of friends, because that's how the whole season begins. That's how it starts. Yeah, you start. That's the opening scene. You see this, these, 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 this group of of people. You know, uh, and then you don't see them again at all uh, for almost the entire season. And then episode seven comes in, and there's okay. I guess I guess part of the reason why. A lot of people, including myself, has have issues with it. Is that it takes you, it removes you from Hawkins. Yeah, it takes you out of this. It it basically takes you out of the story that's happening into a different story. I want to stay. Like, I'm watching Stranger Things. I want to stay in Hawkins, and I want to hang out with these kids. And it like, also would have been better if I think if part of the problem is that. All of the characters basically in that episode aren't particularly compelling in any way. Agreed. I honestly, uh, including eight, which was actually I, a big disappointment. I actually like, found her to be very unlikable. Yeah. Um, 
you know, like you want to sympathize with her because clearly she's obviously had a very troubled life. She's went through the same experiences that Eleven's went through, you know, so you want to have that sympathy, but they just don't make her very likable. And, and it's hard to feel that sympathy towards her with the way that she just was portrayed, I guess, you know, like she's Magneto to, I like, to, to Elle's Professor X. The problem is that even Magneto, you you kind of understand understand her motives too, which is it's the the bio, it's the way they the really tired uh, analogy that they always make is that the Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X. It's the by any means necessary thing, but it's like even the development of I like I would I would get accept that more from her character. If her character was more compelling as a character, and she's just not. Yeah, I mean, like personally, Which was a like bummer, honestly, you know, like when they first showed that scene of them, of you know, her and her little band of merry men and women, and they and they show you the little cut to where they show her tattoo, and you realize that she is obviously connected to Eleven or to that place. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued. Like, I definitely was like, oh, okay, that's interesting. And it did make me kind of want to know more about numbers one through ten, you know? Yeah. And I think that was the intention. So I think that was kind of smartly played. Just in the, you know, because it was like kind of random and kind of subtle, but just enough for you to be like, oh, that's right. There are more out there, you know? And what happened to them? Because, you know, we only know of 11. And clearly there were at least 10 others, you know, and theoretically, I would, in a way, like to kind of find out more about some of those people, but at the same time, not at the expense of taking away from an already good story and an already good cast. Like, I almost think it would be better in a way if they, if this story were tied up and they almost had, like, a spin-off series down the road, like, closer to the end of the Stranger Things overall story, where they kind of dove into exploring the other characters and their stories and how to find them and like how you know because i feel like you could almost kind of then take the whole universe in a different direction and open it up more but i do agree that like in general the whole vibe of the episode i wasn't really into i didn't like you know like i could understand her motivations but i didn't like the way she was trying to pressure and push Eleven to do things the way she wanted to do them. Because I felt like that kind of was very antithetical to the whole point of the way she's trying to live her life on her terms, especially after being in this environment where she's been controlled since she's a baby or a child, you know? And she's trying to live her life according to her terms and seek out justice according to what she thinks justice is, but yet she's trying to then push that onto Eleven, and I felt like that was very hypocritical. You know, it would be one thing if she was like, well, this is how I want to live my life, and this is how I feel, but to then try to, like, force or pressure somebody else, I mean, I would think that that would be the last thing, theoretically, that she should want to do. Well, the whole... She needed someone like her. She needed a family, so instead... She wanted... Eleven to join her because that would be another. But it didn't feel like authentic. Her. It felt it, like she was trying to play on the fact that they had this connection in order to try to get Eleven well, yeah. to you, you do what she wanted. That whole episode is just the Eleven powers up. Yeah. Like, well. The, yeah. Well. Yeah. But the, I mean, the the to to Pant's point, the eight's motivations, you know, of just simply killing off killing off the 
people that were originally involved in the lab and who, you know, tortured them and and gave, you know, and, and traumatized uh, the kids there. Uh, the whole the, the whole that whole that whole storyline felt boring. Yeah. I yeah, like I, I didn't really. I, I, re, I was like, you knew L wasn't gonna really fall for that trap and fall for that lifestyle. You know, it's just, it's just like yeah. a power boost. And and, and the and those characters, I didn't care for them at all. Yeah, I, they just felt two dimensional. They were very stereotypical. It's like very stereotypical to like the you know warriors and but. I just I see. I almost sorry to cut you off. I just I know I'll lose the thought if I don't mm-hmm. say it. I almost think that the episode might have been more successful without all the extra characters. Mm-hmm. Like if somehow she ju- you know she just found eight, just eight on her own, and she was more like independent in her action. Because then I feel like it would also make a little more sense to be trying to push Eleven to bond with her, to yeah. to join her, to yeah. be allies. Because like I have no one and you have no one, but we can be together and we know what it's like. Then I feel like a lot of her motivations and her actions would actually make more sense. But the fact that they bring in all these other characters who, like you said, were all pretty annoying and unlikable and had yeah. nothing redeeming about them. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt like that really did kind of take away from it. And the positioning of the episode itself, because it's episode seven and it came right after episode six. The end of episode six is that cliffhanger with the demi-dogs make it into the lab and you're like, oh, they're all going to yeah. die. And suddenly it just takes you... Out of Hawkins, I'm like, I want to know what happens in the lab, man. And then they're like, la, 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 random stupid people. <laughs> yeah. an, an episode like that in any other series is a backdoor pilot. I mean, that's exactly what it was, though. It's, it's not a backdoor pilot. It's, 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 oh, you mean, I thought you meant, like, pilot as in... It's a back a backdoor pilot for like the, it looked like they're trying to set up who these characters are so that Netflix can launch a show about them. No, what it is is, is setting pilot. up possible things for season. Yeah, three. The, I mean exactly. the whole the whole episode screamed bookmark for later seasons. Yeah, and see, and again, I think that that also even that motivation I think still would have been more successful just introducing eight just without introducing her I totally agree without everybody think about that without everybody else that up, that totally yeah, makes yeah because sense. because also I think that I think that if she were really like a lone wolf I think it really would justify and explain a lot more of her actions her opinions her way of thinking her behavior you know and and I would and I think I would feel more empathy for her in that case. We, I, I, I don't know why I, I'm thinking of this now, but one of the things I also really dug about season two is mm. that even though you know, as soon as you see the polywog, you're like, that's going to... I mean, I didn't know that it was going to be a dem- demogorgon, demogog, dog, right away, but I was like, it's, it's bad. Of course it's, it's bad. But what's interesting is... Uh, Dart has sort of a redemption towards the end, too. Where it's like, <laughs> and I also appreciate that, like, he looks different, probably because he's been in the, like, upper world. Maybe because he's been time. eating nougat for his nougat, entire yeah. life. <laughs> but I, you know, maybe nougat changes Demogorgon DNA. That's another thing. We don't really learn that much more about the Demogorgon. We just, we learned that, we learned that it, it, can st- it starts sort of as a tadpole and 
it likes nougat, you know. But we don't. I mean, I guess part of I guess part of that that's that's part of that mystery that that will be, you know, that that retain that retained for other seasons, I guess. But that's in in the, in the villain. Okay, here's the thing with escalation and what I think season one did so well is that the the villain, the monster was so compelling. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Demogorgon, you know, you had a monster that was taking people into the other side. And then in season two, they got, they want to escalate it into this, this, uh, the shadowy smoke monster, but it basically becomes, he shaking his finger and I think it basically, uh, inhabits will, but we don't understand its motivation. Why? What's its obsession with these kids? By the way, the Demogorgon is not the monster in the first season. Eve needs to say something. No, no, yeah. No, you, my what you said. How the <laughs> there's lack of escalation in terms of the big bad. No, Will is the big bad, and the reason why I was I loved his uh, arc throughout you know season two was his transformation as being. Can you trust this kid, especially in? Uh, the research center mm-hmm. where he yeah. was like he, he he recovered from them you know using the flame throwers to yeah. burn up all of those vines his transformation into full-blown evil being I love that and just his reaction yeah. of fighting back and just like the whole tapping thing loved it no I'm no I just the Morse code oh the Morse code no, killed no, it for me was a great villain well, I I love the twist that they threw in there that if if you if you killed the vines you would kill Will, and the fact that the monster was basically taking Will hostage, that was that was really well ex- executed. I, I was gonna say that the I was gonna disagree with you that the Demogorgon is not the monster in the first season. It's a monster, but it's the not monster the monster. In the first season is Matthew Wimpy. <laughs> He's well, the monster in the first season, like, because he's the reason everything bad is basically happening. Yeah, if they just kept that shit locked up, you know. But no. Yeah. 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 Um, I did. I will say that as much as I hated him, and rightfully so, I did like that he came back for that little fl- uh, yeah fucking with you scene in the shitty episode. I did. I did like the emotional play. I, I did I, like I, it. I also, I, I also just think he's a really good actor. I also love that Paul Reiser kind of turned around at the end. There. I know. I yeah, know. That was good. There was a lot. Of, I think two. I, you know. I mean, honestly, I kind of felt like Paul Re- Paul Reiser's character was deep down a pretty good egg. So yeah. I was glad to see that that was. Confirmed. I, I actually just loved him in general in this. Scene. There were the two two characters that I feel like one that you thought was just gonna stay really evil. Mm-hmm. And that was polarizer, and he kind of has a turnaround. I didn't and think he was really. Was just, I didn't. Mean, it, it, not evil, but you know. I'm gonna argue with you side. for a second because I really didn't think he was that evil to begin with. Like, listen, yeah. I'm sure he had his own motivations, but he, even from the beginning of the season, like he genuinely seemed like, listen, I'm not necessarily <laughs> gonna tell you everything, and I've still got my own agenda, but. I don't think what was going on with here here was kosher either, and I've been handed a job, I, you know, yeah. and I'm gonna try to do my job the best I can. Obviously, I'm limited here because I've only got the cards to play that I've been handed, but I'm not him, and he's not. He's not that guy. You know and, what I mean? And also the other one of of just Sean Aston, it was just like that. He just stays good, good. the entire time. <laughs> he is the kid. He's. 
His well, what do you expect from Samwise? Samwise is a good boy. He's the brave. But that's the thing. He's not Samwise. He's the kid from Goonies that he yeah. played in Goonies. I know. All grown up. I just and look at him and I see Samwise. When he was like running, and I was like, as soon as yeah, even before he left the gun, as soon as they sent him off by himself, it's I'm like, like, boy, you gonna die. Dead. You don't. You gonna yeah, die. That scene, you. I think it was we all. Yeah. That was his. It's, it's, but, it's like it's like when you watch Force Awakens. If you know anything about writing, as soon uh, as you find out that that uh, what's his name is Han Solo's son, you're like, oh, he's dead. Han yeah. Solo's dead. He's gonna die. No, no, well, no, no. Die, when he when he die. steps onto that platform, that's yeah. where it hit even, me. Even before then, he's going to the planet that his kid is on. Yeah. Go find our son. Yeah, you're fucking dead. You're gonna yeah. die. And, and as, as soon as they send off Sean Aston on his own, although I will say during that whole scene, I was just I literally yelled, "Goonies, don't say, don't say die!" Like that's how. <laughs> like, don't, like, in this voice, "Goonies, don't know, say die!" Really you are so man. extra, by the way. Yeah. Oh God, that killed me. Dude, uh, I will say I like Winona Ryder. She wasn't as compelling in this. No, uh, no. I disagree. I, I, uh, you can disagree. Fuck you, Jamie Winona, forever. I, I, I like her. her. Was solid. Uh, yeah. She was a fixture from season one through season two in terms of her performances. No, I disagree with I her. I loved her performance solid. in season two. Uh, even, I'm not saying I didn't love it. I just said it wasn't as compelling. I, I liked just her performance a lot. I loved how 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 uh, on fire she was to just save her kid. And Pun intended? I, uh, yeah. And then how, you know, the the... With the whole thing with Bob and then the whole everything that happens with him at the end, and it's just like I felt bad because she can't. It, it, she, it looks like she just can't catch a break. She and got over Bob real quick. <laughs> she saw that Hopper D and she was like, "All right." <laughs> Good. I mean, well, you know, well, you know they're, they're 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 sitting outside like the little dance, uh, yeah, smoking. And and you can hear Love is a Battlefield. I mean, if you're playing Love is a Battlefield, clearly, I mean, come on. I mean, already Pat Benatar, people. History, you know? That's true. That's why I was kind of hesitant to support Aston because I wanted Hopper to get some of that hot mom action, you know, because Aston was the, you know, was in the by way. The way. By the way, the, the douchey dude hitting on the mom. <laughs> I never knew she was that hot. I did not know that. Yeah, Billy, Billy, that 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 is his scene. That's the that's like the (laughs) one scene. That was the only scene that he was likable. Really, was it? Was that the scene? Yes. He had a moment where you were able to like him because it was amusing. He shows up with six buttons, five of which didn't seem to work. (laughs) And, And he's trying to be like. Rico Suave. Who is it? God knows just, the woman is so starved for attention that she probably would stop the kid. He and I honestly almost don't blame her. Yes. Oh my yeah. god. The dad is, the dad so is great. great. He is yeah. literally probably the worst father in Hawkins. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know where their kids are. And he's like, hey, he just yeah, agrees. Our kids don't live here. Honestly, <laughs> like, <laughs> honestly, I'm kind of surprised that he even remembers he has children. Yeah, yeah. Or like when the when the when the lab people when the government is uh, they're they're searching the house and they're like oh no 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 they're like, yeah we're fine it's the government honey we can trust them you know those little lines. oh yeah 
Also, shout out to Lucas's dad, Mr. Sinclair, for uh, realizing yeah. for realizing that the wife I is always more, right. Sister, I want more of that family. Yeah. Family. First of first of all, Mr. Sinclair is the true VIP for realizing that his wife is always right. That's yeah, first yeah. of all. Second of all, Lucas's sister, whose name is escaping me at the moment, Dana, is it Dana? Something, Something like that. that, is a gift, and she is the sassiest little thing I've ever seen, and I am totally here for her talking about what loser her brother and his friends are. She was adorable. I mean, when uh, we were talking about how like this, you don't have as much of like Mike or 11. Well, you have more 11, but you don't is you get to have these other characters shine. You get to see, like, more of Lucas and his family, and that's great. You get to see Dustin and his mom, who are, who are just like... His mom is adorable. And, and can, can, can I rest just... I, rest in peace, Cat. Oh, can I peace. just say, just also, the... the <laughs> just every time... Dustin cursing. Oh, my God. It's just like... Well, you know, you know how that started, right? This was actually a thing. The kids actually petitioned to be allowed to curse more in episode two. That was a real thing. Really? Yes. Because apparently after, you know, Mike went to film it, Mike, not Finn, Finn Wolfhard, you know, he yeah. was in it. Yeah. And obviously they cur- the kids on the movie curse a lot. And because of that, he naturally started cursing a lot more after he had filmed. And then when they started <laughs> filming Stranger Things 2... He really was cursing a lot, and then they, the kids were all kind of, you know, and he almost like couldn't help himself, and then the kids were kind of like, well, we want to curse a lot, and also, like, let's be honest, I mean, I don't know about everybody else, but I mean, I know I'm an exception because I have a dirty mouth anyway, but like, really, I cursed plenty by the time I was like 12, 13 years old, so. But that's what I like Pretend about. Yeah, pretending that makes, they don't, like, is like, sense. it, it feels more realistic. Yeah. It, to me, it feels more realistic, you mm-hmm. know? Um. And that's really kind of how it started. I saw I saw it online somewhere that like they had specifically kind of asked or like pestered the brothers that they wanted to be able to curse more or some something to that effect or whatever, and they got their way. And I don't know, again, like just random things popping into my head, but I will also mm-hmm. just like movies and things that are like obviously Ghostbusters, obviously Aliens, less so in this season than in season one. By the way, if you haven't, I know. I don't know how big of a horror fan any of you are. One of the greatest horror movies of all time. This movie takes a lot from it. I mean, the Stranger Things just pulls a lot from it. John Carpenter's The Thing, even though it's about an alien, is just, like, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the sound, the score is very much John Carpenter. But the fact that... Uh, so, uh, Eleven's kind of going through, like, three different characters... I'm not sure who... There's definitely, like, some characters from the 80s with, like, the overalls and everything, but how she goes from, like, punk rock... She basically goes from Ali Sheedy in The Breakfast Club to, <laughs> to the makeover of Molly Ringwald. Oh, <laughs> yeah! Yeah! I didn't but even not, think about that. Molly Ringwald. When Molly Ringwald... Uh, dressed up Ali Sheedy. Dressed up Ali Sheedy in the Breakfast Club. I totally like when she dressed up at the end. I was like, that's the, that's the outfit from Ali Sheedy. She yeah, you like, know, it's funny. I didn't even think of that, but that does. It kind of works. Yeah. yeah. Eleven yeah. definitely goes through a number of different looks. There uh, is some character I want it. I would. I There is a character that I'm thinking of, but it's not probably not the one they're referencing. And it's Alyssa Milano in Commando. But that's not. I mean. I don't know if anyone here has seen Commando. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger oh, movie yeah. from the 80s. Yeah. Listen well, Milano in, in, in the oh, overalls. That's his greatest kill count. Okay. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You know, Jeff Loeb wrote that movie. 
Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a guy r- writes all these comic books, and he's an executive. He's now an executive producer. He's an executive producer on everything. 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 He's making money. All of all of the CW shows. He's an executive producer on Runaways, which, by the way, is fantastic. I don't know if anyone has Hulu. Uh, you, I, you probably might not be into it. It's it's basically. Uh, I didn't like the OC, but it's OC with superpowers, and it's it's mm. it's awesome. I love the book. I weird tangent. Sorry. <laughs> I just finished watching the first three episodes. Fair enough. I need to make a shout out to Mr. Clark. Yes, my spirit animal. (laughs) I just want to pattern my my teaching skills and my pedagogy. You know, uh, in my real world job at my yes, uh, in my real world life as a teacher. This is a classy podcast. Okay, we use we use iVocab. Who will not mind interrupting a date? to explain to his kids <laughs> about, you know, how to channel, you know, ESP or whatever. No, 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 the wormhole. The oh, wor- yeah, the wormhole. Yeah, thing. he was explaining, he, 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 you know, he answered the phone in the middle of the date, in the middle of a movie, to explain the interdimensional wormhole uh, theory. And what was Dustin's uh, argument, like, in season, I think, two? The whole... Uh, don't stop my journey or whatever educational oh, journey. What it, the, uh, <laughs> with yeah. the books at the library. <laughs> what is it? Like this is my These are my paddles. These are my paddles. Yeah. Paddles. yeah. <laughs> and then he just steals all the books. I'm like, listen, if I were ever gonna be a thief, I'd probably steal books too. So respect. Hello, Dustin. Yes, my lord. I think I actually didn't catch that to the second time I watched it. I was like, wait, did he just say yes, my lord? And then he says it again in the final episode. Yeah, yeah. It went at the dance. At the dance. His outfit, by the way, and that hair. I love I, him. I just it's, love it's, him. It's I love everything about him. Yeah. Yeah. That, also, that, if we're giving shout outs, I just want to say shout out to Steve because he's a really great teen mom, you know, raising four rambunctious children on his own he's a great babysitter for sure he i i just he just started out as like you know he just started out as like a jock in high school and now he's like raising you know tweenagers like i know just because god knows their parents don't pay attention to them it's so like i said he 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 was but he's such a, he's like, literally, he's like such a mom. Like, did you, do you yes. remember the scene where he's like yelling at them and he's got the dish towel on his shoulder yes. and he rips it off and he <laughs> shit at them? I was just like, oh my God. Like, he's Mr. Mom. Yeah, like, he, he is not, he is not like their teenage dad. He is their teenage mom. Yeah. And God knows they need it because their parents are oblivious to everything. And Which, actually, of course, is also another great Charlie 80s Brown, theme of the. Like, because God knows, I mean, 80s parents, like, I swear to God, we're all oblivious and blind and deaf and dumb. But, you know, it's good thing we have Steve. Well, I mean, that's, Steve, Steve is the most responsible adult ever. <laughs> he, At least in Hawkins. Well, yeah, no, I mean, he, he looks sort of like the kid who also knew, like, what a Roth IRA was. And I think that's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's real cool. Like I said, Fabergé organics. Like that, just uh, yeah. Yeah. That, that whole scene, just just them walking, 
uh, on the uh, the train the tracks. train tracks. It was very Stand by Me. I was gonna say yeah, Stand uh, by it, Me. That the you know, the whole that whole that whole yeah, scene that whole reference is very well done. Um, Mr. Mom, by the way, being uh, I believe was a uh, uh, an Easter egg sort of uh, in the beginning of the season. Where one of the movies that uh, Jonathan shows Will brings to Will, one of the movies that he rented out was Mr. Mom. Mr. Oh yeah, that's right. Little little side bar. uh, The guy who plays Jonathan is British. He is. He uh, Charlie Heaton. I didn't realize he was British. Got uh, arrested on the way into this because he tried to. Yeah, he was cocaine and and. What makes that Wait, so right. hilarious? Yes. Yeah, he got what arrested makes, for for possession when he was trying to cross the U.S. Canada border. What What makes that hilarious? Though? He's also dating Nancy in real life, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. Say, isn't he banging around? What What's What's really hilarious about that is number one, it's a show about the '80s, and the dude got arrested for cocaine. You can't make ropes. it up. And by the way, of all the characters in the show. Who looks like someone who does cocaine? He it's is him. the most. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even his character, yeah. you're like, you do. You either do coke or there's something going. He has a real requiem for a dream look to yeah, his face. He really does. <laughs> Which is funny because he's the character who we're supposed to like in the first season, sort of feel for. And I almost feel like, even before I learned about the cocaine bust, I was like, dude, you're still. You're, what was it? His you were like the dude who was like taking a picture. You're like a worst version of uh, what's you know. What's he looks like Leo DiCaps in Basketball Diaries. Yeah, he does. Haircut and everything. Yeah, see, it's funny because I, a lot of people just kind of like <clears throat> glossed over or like overlooked that whole creepy, you know, pictures in the window thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and to be fair, I mean, even I kind of As forgot they do, about I it. Did you know? too, and then I remember, I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, truth be told, like dude. you know, I don't necessarily, I'm not necessarily against the idea of Nancy and Jonathan together, but I actually really liked Nancy and Steve together, and I was kind of sad that they decided to take that route and break them up. Yeah. But at the same time. In retrospect, I do think that it worked out for the best because otherwise we would not have had Steve bonding with jo- Dustin and adopting four children. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, I like I like mom Steve better than boyfriend Steve. So, well, I because I did see all those memes that were like in season one you felt like Nancy was too good for Steve, and then in season two you, you felt like Steve was too good, good for, for Nancy. Nancy. You're like Steve, you could find better than her. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I like and again, and I don't necessarily have an issue with them breaking them up. But I did think that that is one thing that I thought was a bit of a cop out was the way they had her break up with him. I thought it was a little stupid. That and the fact that that, you know, because fact of the matter is she's sitting the there more, like the more I'm like, Nancy's kind of a waste of a character. Well, because they're sitting there and it's like she's like, you know, like, I don't love you. This is bullshit. You're bullshit. We're bullshit. And I'm like, you know, like, a- again, acting almost as if like. Steve was just that douche that we that we saw very early in season one, but they made it very abundantly clear that he's not that guy, and he really never has been that guy yeah. in full. So then to kind of make that like act like that's sort of the reasoning behind her breaking up with him, I, I like I just thought they could have done better. You know what I mean? So Even I mean, though they're supposed so to be I mean, teenagers, sixteen year olds, do you know know how to file their own taxes and have a mortgage? Like Steve so, is. So- so, uh, Steve is real and, and know about hair products, but but Farrah Fawcett, yo. My my thing also like if you're comparing it to like char- actual characters from the '80s, is people were like, well, yeah, you know, because Steve in season one is is 
is you know Andrew McCarthy, and 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 uh, Jonathan is Ducky. He's like, no, Jonathan is not Ducky. He's not Ducky. Dustin is Ducky. If any, if anything, Fair. Dustin is Ducky. Uh, and Jonathan is Charlie Sheen in the police room from Paris Bueller's Day Off. That's who Jonathan is. If anyone, like, yeah, I mean, what are you, what, what, what are you in for? It's like uh, short story. I hate for what are you in for? Drugs. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, again, it's not even about the fact that they broke them up, but I did think that they could have like played that a little bit better than they did. Yeah. You know, I was just kind of like. Eh. Like, I wasn't really mad at it in the overall scheme of things, but in the moment, I was just like, I mean, for God's sakes, Steve's going with you to Barb's parents' house and, like, chowing down on KFC because you want to go there because of your guilty conscience, feeling yeah. like you got Barb killed. It's fingers and, you know, good. And he's, like, playing along and being the dutiful boyfriend or whatever, and then, like, one episode later, you're like, nah, bro, fuck you, bye. Like, meh, I don't know. She dumps him. When he, Ted Danson, and Steve Gutenberg adopted babies. Like, that's just really foul. <laughs> now, with the whole internet outcry during season one about Barb's disappearance and, and then subsequently looking for justice for Barb, do you think that justice was served in season two for Barb and second question to that, was the show's turn in addressing an internet outcry and meme really necessary in season two? Um, yes, be going backwards. Yes, if only because the, the show's success is predicated on the obsession that the fans have with it. Two, it gave closure to that issue, but I don't think justice necessarily. I think that's a fair assessment. And as for like you know paying fan service, I think that unfortunately nowadays with you know social media the way it is and the way celebrities and like showrunners and writers and stuff make themselves so accessible and like really almost get like active in fandom to a degree it's a slippery slope because i feel like there's no real good or right or wrong way to handle it you know what i mean um i think i think that them kind of like using that and playing into that and reacting to it is not unreasonable you know i mean you do want like, not that you want to do only fan service, but at the same time, you have fans for a reason. And, like, you know, I think to a degree, you do want to, you know, give them a product that they enjoy and will continue to enjoy so that you continue to have a fan base. But at the same time, not not everybody's ever going to be happy with something. There's right. always going to be negative Nancys. <laughs> negative <laughs> Nancy. <laughs> um, didn't even mean to do that. And I think that you just have to be careful because, and you see this sometimes with other shows too, where sometimes when the people behind the scenes get too involved with like, you know, whisperings and goings on in fandom and stuff like that, it really can kind of like come back to bite you. And I've seen this in other shows and I mean, we can save this for another podcast because I could go on a tirade about this for like 10 years. Oh yeah, so could I. Um, 
you know, but in with one show in particular that I watched but have stopped watching because the show just went to shit, in my opinion, um, there was a lot of that where, like, the writers and the showrunners and the actors got really involved with interacting with fans on social media and being very responsive and then would do things that upset fans and then would almost want to, like, argue with them about it when fans rightfully got upset about things, you know? Like... There are definitely instances where people will, where like these people will use the fandom for their own agendas or their own motivations or their own benefit, but then they don't like when they get backlash when they want to play into it and then get mad when maybe you don't like what they're doing. Does that make sense? Well, well I, I think part of it in this show when I said it was just like it needed to be addressed, not necessarily because the fans made so much, but. I mean, it needed to be addressed regardless. Like, fact of the matter is, you know, even if there was no, oh, you know, justice for Barr, blah, 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 like, thing, I still think that they would have addressed it. I don't think that they were going to just let it die out and have nothing. Because, I mean, it's like, you know, a teenage girl totally disappears, dies, you know, and, like, I don't think that they were ever going to just ignore that. So I don't necessarily think that they addressed it or handled it because Mm. of fandom, I think it was going to happen anyway, and that's just like, you know, a happy coincidence that now these people feel like, you know, if not justice has been served, at least, like, closure has been provided. Yeah, no, I mean, that's what I was going to say. Like, if for no other reason than she, then this is a small town and she was a person in it and she's not yeah, there yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like, in uh, in order for to do some of the fantastical pieces, the, the, rea- the, rea- the realistic pieces have to be quite realistic. If you if your classmate just ups and disappears, you're gonna want to know what happened. Agreed. You know, so like I said, I don't know. Like, I mean, I don't necessarily see that as a fan service thing. And I can under I kind of agree with Jamie's point that like closure was you know there was closure. I don't know if it's really justice because the poor girl did nothing except try to be a good friend and she yeah. died and she di- and she died for being a good person. And yeah. and there's really no good outcome to that. It's unfortunate, no. but you know. It served it served the story mm-hmm. in a way, I suppose. Um, I just, you know, I think that as long as they do kind of, you know, I think like the kids being interactive on social media and the actors is kind of cute. I think as long as like the powers behind the show, like the Duffer Brothers or any of the writers or, you know, showrunners, as long as they're not out there like really sticking their noses into it, I think they're all well, better what, off. What I meant by like kind of, acknowledging the fandom is that in a show that is has so much elements of like nostalgia that there's a certain element where it's like here's the audience that you are appealing to Mm -hmm. so if that audience becomes super passionate about something unless you're either a huge dick or uh a you know have something really good planned, a reason why you're not going to address it. You kind of have to at least acknowledge that it's happening. Mm -hmm. But like... Well, no, I don't think there's anything wrong with acknowledging. Like I said, I think it's just a bit of a slippery slope, and I think you just have to be careful because even like I was kind of alluding to, you know, without getting too far off track, because obviously we're talking about Stranger Things, you know, but even like, so I was talking about Shameless, which Jamie introduced me to. Thanks for nothing, because that show went to garbage. Um, 
you know, but like I stopped watching it. Well, so did I, and yeah. in big part because a lot of what they did, and I think this was a big fuck up on their part. You know, they definitely started kind of keeping tabs on what fandom was like following and into, and fandom was very into the relationship between Ian and Mickey, right? Right. And even came up with their own ship name for the relationship. And when Showtime and I guess the showrunners of Shameless realized that that might be marketable, they co-opted that sh- that ship name for their own purposes and started putting it on merchandise and using it for promotions into season five. And mind you, as you watched up to season four, I know you did, and yeah. season four was arguably the best season they've had. Yeah. The acting was solid. The storyline was solid. The relationship was solid. They took that, they used that, and then they broke them up. Spoiler alert. Sorry, guys. You know, but then not only did they break them up, but then when fans were upset, they would like, like the writers would be on Twitter, like arguing with fans. So just weird side note, um, as far as, uh, so this has nothing to do with Stranger Things, but it's okay because whenever we have one in this podcast, we, we kind of go off on a tangent and we're, we should like start to wrap up a little bit. No, I do. I do want to watch Stan Against Evil. Um, but, uh. I will say that the curse that, and there's two perfect examples of this, the curse of adapting a British television show for America is that if it's successful in America, they will continue to do it until it becomes bad. Yes. And the two most obvious examples of that, right off the top of my head, Shameless, The Office. I knew we were going to say The Office. Yeah. I knew it. It's the thing about the British series of Shameless is like it was great, and the thing about all of those British series is that they're only allowed they they really are only no matter how successful they are, once it's done they don't go back or they like wait and they do another series of it like mm-hmm. they redo it, but it's not like there's six seasons of Shameless <laughs> of the British version and since it was so successful here they kept going it was like. Mm, you can only keep going well, with see, that and then, for so yeah, long. Yeah, and then not just that, but then also, like I said, the problem is, you know, you want to use fandom when it's convenient for you, but then when it, you know, comes back and it backfires on you, you all of a sudden, you know, you have the writers on Twitter trying to argue with fans. You know, you have celebrities, you have the, like, actors on the show making comments and stuff like that because fans were pissed, and rightfully so. You I, know, because at this point, you're you're getting involved and you're literally trying to market certain things specifically towards this fandom like they even had like they had like giveaways they made like special merch just for this just for this relationship and had giveaways they were reaching out to people like to just fans who had like big followings on social media offering them get like just free marketing bags so, and we're we're tying just to bring it back to stranger things you think egos had a had a, a sale spike Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most likely. Probably. Yeah, I haven't seen any, like, Eggo's, like, promotional stuff. I would say so. That feels like so. a missed opportunity yeah. right there. Well, I mean, if, if nothing else, they they got an IP mark for it. If yeah, nothing yeah, else. Yeah. Uh, there's a, there's another interesting thing about, I mean, I know Netflix has a lot of money, but just, like, when you think about, like, music rights, I mean, I would imagine, because the effects in this were pretty great, I'm always a fan of, like, for a TV show and a little bit, uh, like the first season, a little bit too much use of CG, but they kind of had to. I like the expand. They expanded the world and the threat, with but but keeps uh but kept it in the town. Uh, I will say, I'm excited about this third season, but I almost feel like 
you had them leave that thing in Chicago to set up a third season. It was like, they kind of have to leave Hawkins, honestly. Then There's I'm only not, so I, much you can I, do in that town. I'm not looking forward to that. I want, I want to stay in Hawkins. And at this point, I, you know, like the, the, the horror aspect of it and the monsters, that's kind of like, that's the sprinkles, you know, like I, I just want to hang out with these kids and go on these adventures with them. Right. Yeah, right, right. You know, well, yeah, I mean, hey, listen, clear, we're still way older than they clear, are. Though. Clearly, season three is going to tr- is going to take place in high school, which I, it's, I'm perfectly fine with as long as it's in Hawkins. I don't think they're old enough for high school, even in season three. I think they'll really? still be in junior high. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this season's going to well, well, actually, I mean, they did, they did say, well, no, it's not going to come out until 2019. I don't think. That's what I heard. Really? Well, also because so they could film them not like, just the effects. But what I was gonna say is what takes a really long time, and I honestly could have been. I mean, you could say like writing or, or any of that stuff. This is like you know what probably took the longest in the interim between season one and season two is getting the rights to all of that music. Maybe because that shit takes a long. Well, time. honestly, I don't think it's really about writing or the story because they will. I mean, the brothers have already said that they only plan to have the show for like I think five seasons. Like they yeah. have it planned out yeah. all the way to the end. I don't know that they have it all written you know, out, they, they said, but they have like an overall plan for how the story is going to go and how it's going to end. And they said that they don't want to go past I think like season five. Okay. Well, after yeah, well after season five, these kids are gonna be in their 30s basically <laughs> you know so you don't want to over 90210 you know 30 year olds <laughs> playing high schoolers so it'll be great <laughs> 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 i woke up all of a sudden charlie's really invested <laughs> god i hope the mic picked that up <laughs> so like i'm excited about season three i'm curious i'm curious and a little nervous about what they're gonna do yeah, me too. Uh, me too. I, I, you know, the way it ended, I, I, I again, I like the, the ending for season one better than the ending for season two uh, with, with, with Will coughing up that slug and everything. I'm like, whoa, this is, uh, season Dude, two is going to be great. Sploosh when Elle just fucking takes on the giant demon coming through in season two at the end. Yeah, Come that on. was cool. Come on, that was, that was cool, dope. but at the end of the day, she just closed coming. the hole. She you just know, closed honestly, by her she, fucking self. Listen, with her mind. Some of the, uh, dental dog. Yeah, but I will the, say that I think that for season three and onward is a way to kind of tie in the episode of which we don't speak with the future. I mean, I think that it would make sense to have to try to find some of these other, you know, find the numbers one through ten without eight, obviously, because we found her. Because I don't, you know, for as powerful as Eleven is, I don't think that she's powerful to stop this by herself. And I think that that's how you could kind of, I mean, listen, call me up Duffer Brothers, but I'm just saying I think that that's how you tie it all together. Yeah. Is that, you know, in order to eradicate this once and for all, you know, we need more power. We need more people with more talents. And I think that trying to locate these other people and find out what their, you know, powers are or whatever and see how if they could help in conquering this. I mean, I definitely think that I, if, if I were writing the story, I definitely think that that would factor into it. So basically what we're saying is that the next season is, is going to be X-Men. 
is what it's going to be. Well, I just hope season... X-Men with demons. Yeah. Well, I just hope season three more... Uh, just just better explores the other side. Uh, and... Yeah, and, I want to see more of that. I know yeah, it's going to be more expensive, season, but I want to see more of that world. Season two just showed us... I don't know. It just showed us like a, an aspect of the other side with vines and all this in trenches and, but and the shadow monster. Yeah, but I wanted to, I want to further explore the other side and I want to under better understand what what's the 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 shadow monster's motivation and its its obsession with these kids. And because also why it's focused on that location. I mean, aside from the fact that there was a doorway there. You know, because with, with yeah, I realize it's a small town, but what is it about these kids that is is ha- that has this the shadow monster so razor focused on them? So hopefully it'll explore that further. Right, we got anything else? Otherwise, I'm gonna. Uh, Eve is checking battles, basketball scores. Uh, yeah, Nick's didn't lose. Um, so I would like to say uh, science teachers in the 80s, they rock. Uh, two, JLA uh, did not suck. No. It yeah, it did. I know, no, I'm, yeah, I'm it just did. saying. I, I'm just saying. And, uh, Worst box office ever for I, I DC. It, it came in with a lot of uh, problems. So wah, people had wah, no desire wah. to come in. But the end product, it did not suck ass. Um, and happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Yeah, good Thanksgiving, everybody. Good for Thanksgiving. For things. Gobble, gobble. We'll talk gobble, to gobble. you next time. Sweet dreams. <laughs>